Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome everybody today to Focused on Forward. Our interview today is with Amanda Knight. Amanda has a very interesting story to tell, and uh, we're excited to hear not only her story, but how also she has been able to be focused on forward and uh, really adapt to what life has thrown at her. So Amanda, we're glad to have you here. Thank you for being. And uh, whenever you're ready, just go ahead and get started. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Um, I It's a unique concept about dealing with chronic health issues, about focusing on moving forward. I think that kind of sums up my my journey is always looking kind of at the next thing and it's pretty much the only reason why I have found any sort of normalcy in life once again is because I've always looked forward to if one thing doesn't work I'm pretty much game to try anything so within the realm of you know normalcy I guess the realm of Although reasonableness some of the things that yeah, although some of the things I've tried are kind of out there, but they've worked for me. So I think that's really mostly my philosophy is just um, if you're trying something for a reasonable period of time and it's not working, try something else because there's a lot of options out there and there is no reason to be stuck in misery. So okay. um, for me, my my health problem started... Um, actually at a young age, I've dealt with, with pain from about sixth grade. And I think, um, in hindsight, now looking back, I think some of my, um, issues with chronic pain started then in my ability to deal with them well, or my, my lack of ability to actually deal with chronic pain well started at a young age. So for me, that was in sixth grade, I there was an older girl that started bullying me in school, and I started grinding my teeth really bad. So that was back in the 90s, and they didn't really have a name for what is now called uh, TMJ. And so um, I couldn't eat hard food, and I had to wear a mouth guard 24-7, and I just had chronic headaches, and I was home from school for quite a bit, and... Um, just looking back at, I now see that my body and just, uh, emotionally, I guess, dealing with chronic pain and finding its root cause is incredibly important because your, your body has memory for those things. And so when you get stressed, it creates pain sometimes if there isn't a cause. So, um, and my body seems to like to do that. 
because I bury stress. <laughs> and so um, when I contracted Lyme disease in my early 20s, that that's kind of been part of my journey is understanding how to deal with that chronic pain, what is caused, has a real actual cause of that pain, and what also is just my body's stress response to an outside stressor in my life. Um, so when I was 24, I started getting really, really sick. And it um, just all over kind of felt like I had the flu, really bad pain in my knees. Um, I remember I was out in the ministry one time and I got out of the car and I just couldn't walk. My knees hurt so bad and I, ha I was limping. So it just kind of happened really quickly. And that was back in um, probably, that was like 2005. So at that time in the state of Michigan, they didn't really recognize as, uh, Lyme disease being in the state. So when I... It took years, uh, a year or two, to finally get a test for that, and um, it probably took another year following that to get the correct kind of test that diagnosed me correctly. So in all of that time, the disease just progressed, and I got worse. Um, eventually, I was pretty much bedridden, except for um, I had a very active job as a dance teacher at the time. So I pretty much worked my four hours, and the rest of the time I was in bed sleeping or laying on the couch. Um, so in my focus on moving forward at that time, it was mostly, I did start with natural therapies which didn't work. And then I went to, um, I eventually ended up with IV antibiotics for six months. So they put what they call a pick line in my right bicep and they thread that in and the line empties out. I think it's, I don't know, some distance from your heart. That's the way they, they use that vein and they go in towards your heart. Yeah. It keeps it pretty so close there with the pick line. Yes. Yep. And so before I had the pick line put in, I actually would go to the hospital for my infusions. And um, I live in a small town in northern Michigan. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to, I didn't even get good advice on how to take care of the shunt. Uh, one time I went back and my body had clotted it. They didn't send me home with the right stuff to flush it. Oh no. So she was trying, yeah. So she was trying to use it and it was incredibly painful and thank goodness it didn't push through cause she could have put a clot through my body, but yeah. Um, just a, a lot of crazy experiences like that. I remember one time I had a nurse that pushed through the heparin too quickly and it made me black out. And I completely lost vision. And I mean, just so many terrifying experiences. Um, 
and just the feeling of people who are responsible for my care not really knowing what they're doing and that was scary because you're relying on them to make you feel better (laughs) and so that was just experiences like that so um I eventually found out from someone else who was going through the treatment that the pick line would be a good idea and it was a lot easier to deal with so um I had that put in and I did the infusions at home and actually they made me feel so terrible when we we did them that my husband would would do it for me and I mean sometimes I just lay there and cry it was terrible um just an absolutely horrible time but thankfully we got through that together within about six months it did improve my health and I started feeling a lot better so during that time um I at the end of it I started having really bad pains in my side and um ended up in the emergency room with that and turns out that the I that the IV antibiotic that I was on causes it essentially ruins your gallbladder as one of the side effects so as soon as I told my doctor about the pains he said oh yeah that's one of the side effects so you're probably going to have to have your gallbladder removed so that's the time when I really realized that I needed to self-educate a lot more okay I needed to know what I was putting in my body. I needed to read up on all of the side effects. The doctors weren't going to tell me until it was too late what the side effects were. And it wasn't their body. They're, they're giving you all this medication and it's not their body. They're so conditioned to sick people that it, you know, their, their empathy is not your empathy towards your body and what what you want to put in your body so at that time it was it was a really hard lesson to learn obviously at 28 that um i just essentially destroyed an organ because i didn't do very good research but i you know i had no point of reference so i ended up feeling better with the lime but having my gallbladder taken out and then that um, introduced just a bunch of digestive issues into my life at the age of 28. So I did have a period of, um, remission, I guess you could call it. So there's a lot of different philosophies on Lyme and chronic Lyme. I know what my experience has been with my body. I don't I don't know what other people's have been, but so for me, what happened is about eight months later, another really intense period of stress hit me. My immune system was down and all of the symptoms came back. Oh, wow. So that was pretty crushing. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty crushing to think that I had gone through all of that and that we had paid, you know, thousands, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. To feel like you circled back to the beginning again. Absolutely. So um, after that, I'm trying to think what the, this has been such a long journey. So this has been 15 years for me. That was, this all started 15 years ago. Okay. 
So after that, I kind of focused more on natural therapies combined with pharmaceutical ones. Um, I tried to balance the two just because natural only, I couldn't handle the amount of pain I was in without taking more um, intense medication. So that was, I always tried really hard to be balanced with that because I did realize um I want my liver to last and I don't want to be addicted to opioids um, even before, even before it was a thing. But, um, so I did try to be balanced, but there were times where, you know, if you haven't slept in three days because you've been in so much pain, you do need to sleep at some point and your body can't heal. So I did try to be balanced with that. So that was kind of the next I'd say about eight years or so was just different, different doctors trying to figure out what was going on. I did see other, they call them LLMDs, Lyme literate doctors. Lyme literate? Different Lyme literate? Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, I did find that, and everybody kind of has a different philosophy. I saw one that was low dose antibiotics for a number of years that he wanted to do. And I did try that, but every single thing I took came with a side effect. And then I had to take another pill to deal with that side effect. And I think by the time I got to the fourth prescription I was on to deal with a different side effect of the original medication. And then the side effect of that fourth prescription was eye pressure and eye pain I just thought, what am I doing? And sure. so I I stopped with that doctor and then would try something else. Um, there was a period of time where I was flying out to Colorado to see a homeopathic doctor out there, and he helped for a little bit. But obviously, the cost of that is not, we couldn't maintain that. Um, I went to Cleveland Clinic. And they told me that I was depressed and I had fibromyalgia and just put me on more medication. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah. So just a lot of different, I think I've seen, I totaled it up. I've had two surgeries. Um, I've seen over 15 doctors, naturopaths, physical therapists, surgeons, um, over the, and, uh, I've been to three different states. So um, that kind of took me to the last course of treatment I tried for my Lyme was called bee venom therapy. Um, so when that was introduced into my life, there was a friend of mine who told me about it and she had tried it for her Lyme and she had had some success. Um, and I wasn't interested by that time. I just thought okay, that's weird, and I've done everything else, and it sounds really painful, and I'm just going to deal with where I'm at. So by that point, I was not focused on forward. I was just focused on status quo, and I'm never going to feel better. Um, well, what happened is we had a trip that we took where Jake was at, like, a work conference, and so we were with a group of people, shaking hands all the time, seeing people we haven't seen in a while. 
and I had been dealing with some pain in my hands. And um, an issue for me this whole time has been I've had a lot of issue with my nervous system, um, like brain, brain fog type of things. Um, so the nerves in my arms and in my hands were being affected at that time by the Lyme disease. Um, I got to the point where I had to sleep with braces on my hands every night, and then I could no longer open like a jar of peanut butter. I'd have to have, if I was getting food in the kitchen, someone would have to ma- help me make my food because I just couldn't open things anymore. I had no strength in my hands. So something as and, simple as, as grasp and turn was becoming difficult. Yes. Okay. Yep. Well, it was more than difficult. It wasn't possible. I just didn't have the ability to do it anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it just wasn't. Um, I, it like the strength in my hand just wasn't there to, to, to do that. So I couldn't make dinner, um, grocery shopping, driving. I couldn't drive normally. I could prop my hands up weirdly and drive. Um, so again, looking at a really dark point in my life. And then we went to that work conference and I couldn't shake hands anymore. It was so painful for someone to grab my hand and shake it. And I'd have to say to every person, I'm so sorry. I'm having an issue with the nerves in my hands right now and I can't shake hands. And I'd have to say that 20 to 30 times a day while we were with all these very wonderful loving people but still to constantly be reminded of my limitation in that way was emotionally taxing i'm sure it was yeah for sure and i was on a maxed out dose of neurotin i was on oh wow intense i was on intense painkillers to sleep uh a flexoral to sleep volume to sleep i mean they completely, all the stuff that I was on, and I was trying to take everything in a balanced way and not take everything at once, not take it every night, um, all of that, but it was just a lot, a lot to balance. And so after that trip, I thought, I'll give the bee venom therapy a try. What do I have to lose? So I did it. It made me incredibly sick. Um, the concept with Lyme, any Lyme treatment is that the die-off effect makes you very sick. So if you're on any treatment that is actually working and the Lyme is dying, your body is taxed by the toxins as it's trying to clear out the dead bacteria. And so it makes you worse before you get better. So that was definitely the case with this treatment. Um, I had a solid year of very little being able to do anything. Um, So it involved being stung by 10 bees three times a week, and you left the stingers in for 15 minutes. Oh, so they actually had to, you actually had to be stung. Yes. So it wasn't just like an, so it wasn't just like an injection that you were getting. You were actually getting stung by bees. Yes. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Um, Also, at this time that I was having the nerve pain with my hands, I had to see an endocrinologist because I was having extremely high cortisol, which um, 
they call it Cushing's disease. And I had all the horrible side effects that came from that. So that just led me to just bite the bullet and just see if, see if this therapy would work. I really didn't have any other place to go. Right. Um, You feel like you have to do something at that point. Yeah. I, well, and just mentally I needed to have some sort of control (laughs) over what was. Well, that's logical. For a decade. Um, I was off pain pills and the, the nerve pain just, I started getting control over my nerve pain. It was like the, when I got stung, whatever the bee venom did in my body, it just started helping me to heal and clear out the Lyme. So I did that for about two and a half years and, um, I reached a level of control over pain and um, I've had energy return. Um, I recently started um, doing some work with essential oils, which has really helped me with um, healing my adrenals because I've had a lot of adrenal fatigue. Obviously, my adrenals have been through a lot. They've been very overtaxed. Yes, yes, and the bee venom is taxing on your adrenals. So I've done a lot of work with essential oils and their supplements to help with my adrenals. So I have had some my energy return um, since then, and they've also, um, the doTERRA supplements have really helped me with sleep, which has been amazing. I'm sleeping through the night now. Excellent. And not Yep, not waking up, and my pain's under control. There's uh, oil that you take internally that completely has helped me control my my pain. Um, and so just being able, and that was one thing I had never tried this whole journey, is essential oils and taking them internally. So that's been really, that's been really good for me and helpful. That's kind okay. of where I'm at now. Okay. So let's go, let's circle back for a moment to where you started with all this. Uh, you said you were in your early 20s when you, when you got this, about 24, I think you said. Um, mm-hmm. How did you contract Lyme's disease? I mean, typically, from what I understand, it's, it's through a, a tick bite. Yep. So I was bit by a tick when I was 19. I had the bullseye rash and everything. Uh, but at that point, uh, doctors were being put out of practice for diagnosing it in Michigan. We had a doctor in Saginaw that I was seeing that was treating Lyme disease patients, and he was put out of practice, and I couldn't find a single doctor that would give me a test for it. So I did get really sick after I had the tick bite, um, and my energy never really returned to normal. But they say that your body can just kind of like hold it back. And then when you go through a period of stress, it just flourishes. So that's what happened in my case. Um, That happened when I was 19. I was young, strong, youthful. And my body held it back. And then at 24, something really stressful happened in our lives. And it just took over. 
So so it lay dormant for five years, kind of. Yep. That yeah. now that to me I think is one of the most interesting things about this is that is that it was in you, you know, and you were dealing with it for five years, but not really recognizing that you were dealing with it because it was in a dormant stage. I think that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. So it was it wasn't until you're about twenty seven, twenty eight that you're now um tested, you figure out what it is. And you're able to start figuring out what needs to be done because you're actually able mm-hmm. to start receiving. So almost a, a full decade went by without being able to, to get this under control. Yes. That's, that's quite a lot. So now you mentioned that you use, uh, that you tried a, a few other things and you'd gone to the Cleveland Clinic and you'd gone to uh, these different uh, uh, homeopathic, uh, remedy style things. And, um, so what, in your opinion, as someone who's had tried all these different treatments, all these different, uh, ways of, of trying to adjust your own body, what is the benefit to you to marrying the natural remedies with the medicinal remedies? Because it sounds to me like that's what has worked for you. What's the what's the benefit there? Well, I think part of it, you know, obviously you're hearing my story, what my story has been over my life. But part of when we we have treatments and, you know, maybe I could deal personally with lack of sleep for longer. And so I would just not take those. I call them the heavy hitters and not sleep and okay so that's just me I live with people I I have people in my life that I love and I need to not be an unstable person all of the time so I need sleep in order to be stable sure so for me that's part of the benefit of marrying them is that sometimes you just need to do it for other people um, I grew up in a very health conscious, healthy household when I was little. We never had, there weren't many items in our kitchen that came out of a can or a box. My mom made her own homemade bread, um, just very, very natural. So that was a hard, hard, difficult decision for me to, to take those very intense medications. But for me... I would reach a level of depression that I would need to alleviate my pain because I just could not handle it any longer. Um, And there's only so much that supplements and oils and homeopathic pills are going to do for you. Well, that, yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Um, especially with, with our situation with, with Kendall, you know, we, uh, some of the medicines, uh, you were talking about the Neurotin and and other things, those are things that Kendall's had to deal with as well. And that's why when you said you were on a max dose of that, that's why I kind of reacted the way I did. I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a big one. Um, yeah, it would definitely be one of your heavy hitters there. Um, so let me ask you this. So, so now you're saying that with the way you feel now, uh, compared to then, you said you were you were only working about three, maybe four hours a day uh, at your dance studio. Um, now, how has that changed? Are you able to work? Are you are you back to, you know, um, 
do you still find you have stamina issues or are you back to work full time or what does the, the picture of your life look like now as far as that's concerned? So the picture of my life is definitely I'm learning how to be healthy again right now, um, which is not a problem that I'm complaining about, but it is, uh, I get overwhelmed by it sometimes. It's a journey. Yeah. Um, so I, I need about eight hours of sleep. So at, at, when I was at my worst, I'd sleep about 14 hours a night. So you're looking at a 10 hour day and, and I really couldn't get very much accomplished because I'd wake up and I felt like I had to unthaw for about two hours. I couldn't really do much. I've always struggled with nausea. That's been one of the symptoms I've had. So I'd be, I'd move too quickly in the morning. I'd throw up. Um, if I got in the car too soon after waking up, I'd throw up. Um, so definitely like two hours in the morning of nothingness. And then I could maybe do something for an hour, you know, just keeping up on laundry and having some semblance of a clean house was difficult. And then, you know, adding work into it. In the course of all of this, we did have to sell the dance studio. Okay. I just couldn't work anymore. So um, that is something that happened in our lives. That was a very difficult decision, especially for my husband. It was his mother's studio. And so he had grown up dancing and it was a very, very difficult decision to make. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but I just couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. So it was just costing me too much health wise. So, um, now I sleep about eight hours, eight and a half hours a night. I only need about 30 minutes to kind of wake up and get my bearings. Okay. I, if I do, if I do feel sick in the morning, I feel like nausea is just something I'm going to struggle with. I, like I was talking about in the beginning, I think there are so many things that happen to our bodies and they just remember, Oh, I don't feel good in the morning and you have to work through that. Like, no, you're healthy now. You're strong enough to get up. You're okay. And you're not going to throw up. <laughs> right. You need to. So that's that's something I'm working through right now that just I, I can do this. I am. I am healthy. And so I that's where the oils come in and are incredibly helpful because like this morning that happened and I started moving and I started getting dizzy and sick to my stomach and I felt like I was going to throw up. And I just took a couple of drops of peppermint and it just like just puts a switch on in my brain, calms my stomach. And even if it's just psychosomatic, I'll take it. Like it's working. That's a win in my book. <laughs> not hurting me. No, yes. that's that's a win. So, yeah. So that's that's what I did this morning. Um, the one oil I was talking about that helps with my pain. It's amazing. And so I have my system, and I just keep trying different things and seeing what's going to work, what doesn't work. Jake, my husband, has been. He's a rock star when it comes to trying new things. And if it's going to help me, and especially if it doesn't have side effects, he's fine. If we are spending the money on it, he just wants, he wants me to feel good. And he's, he's been very gracious in that way. So now I'd say I'm probably 
I work from about 11 to 4, and that's usually when I stop to make dinner, and um, then, and like, I'm cooking now. I mean, I can't, I didn't cook forever, because I just couldn't. I didn't have the energy to cook. And so, I work till 4, make dinner, um, do a couple things around the house. I'm pretty done in by about 7, 8 o'clock, depending on the day. Um, so that's about my schedule right now. And, um, so I do, I am working and able to, you know, do my, keep the house clean and do laundry and, um, Okay. So you're getting, you're getting quality of life back. Yes. Oh, definitely. I think towards the end of my bee venom treatment, my quality of life started to increase, but, um, I definitely think I did that treatment probably like six, maybe six months longer than I needed to just because I was so afraid to stop it before it had completely eradicated all of the Lyme bacteria out of my body. Okay. Um, so that was like a, that was definitely a mental hurdle. I needed to overcome. One thing that helped me with that is uh, there's a doctor. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is a neuroscientist and she helps with cognitive behavioral therapy. She has an app called Switch. And she, through that app, it really helps you to change habits and reconceptualize negative thinking patterns. So for me, I came to realize that I'm a person who buries emotion and stress instead of letting myself feel it. And then it makes me sick. So definitely part of this last part of my journey has been understanding that it's okay to be anxious that's a normal human emotion right now in the time we're living in. Oh yeah. Everyone is experiencing anxiety. Yeah, pretty much so. So to not, right. And so I do definitely have perfectionist tech tendencies. So looking at, okay, you're not a bad person because you're anxious. That doesn't make you, um, like you don't have enough faith that things are going to be fine. Anxiety, is what it is. Understand what's making you anxious, right? That's what we need to do. Understand that. Reconceptualize it. See what we need to do. Flip it. Don't sit in that negative behavior. And then move forward and fix it if you can. If not, then you need to just let it go. So that's that app has definitely, definitely helped me. Um, Okay. Understand those things and help me understand myself better. And that's the hardest thing is every single one of us is so different and we all have different histories and the emotional component that goes with health issues is just as important to deal with as the actual issue itself. And that's something I did not realize in my 20s. Now in my late 30s, I see that. I understand that unless you're dealing with both both components, you're not going to 
get anywhere permanently. You're just kind of going to be cycling through different, different things. No, that's a very good point. And, um, you know, I think for, for a lot of people, uh, I think the, the change in their health comes when there's a recognition of, of taking care of the mental, emotional side, just as much as the physical side, because those three have to work in harmony in order for the body Mm -hmm. to repair itself. Yes. So yeah, uh, that's a very that's a very good point. Very very big. So let me ask you a question. I like to ask. Uh, I've asked. I think I've asked all our guests so far, and I I think it's a question I'll continue to ask. Um, not that I can expect you to sum up your life experience in in one sentence or anything along those lines, because there's obviously we're talking about years of of of, of struggle and in dealing with this, and you know the roller coaster of emotions. But if you could sum your experience up uh, into what you have learned, what would be the, the, the one shining star that you think that people should take away from your story as to what you learned? Um, I would say to just keep looking. And if something seems absurd or just out of the realm of what you'd normally try, just it doesn't hurt you to try things. Um, Obviously you want to be balanced and not do things that are going to harm your body or um, yeah, I just think you just never know what's going to help. And I know that even when somebody talked to me about these essential oils I'm on right now and the supplements, I just thought, Oh, just another thing to spend my money on. I don't want to do it. Um, and then it's ended up being incredibly helpful. So, okay. But in the same thing with the B treatment, I was when I was told about the BVT, I said no way. And three months later, I thought, okay, what do I have to lose? So, that's my biggest thing is just trying things and and keeping track of what helps. I think. You know, diet and exercise obviously helps everyone. And even if the exercise is walking around the house outside one time or just some sort of movement, those are the things that I've always maintained this time is just moving and trying to eat healthy has also been incredibly helpful. Okay. So, yeah, so keep looking and be balanced. Those are those are two good points yeah. to take away. All right. Well, I I thank you for for being with us, and I thank you for sharing your story. I know that uh, it's not always easy to talk about yourself and things that that go on in, in your own life, but um, you know, I, I like to think that your story of of uh, overcoming and is something that can help uh, others out along the way. So, thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing with us today. You're welcome. Well, that will conclude our our episode today of Focused on Forward. And uh, we look forward to talking with you guys next time. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.